Welcome back to The Lion's Den as we continue this delicious conversation about the issues real men and real women want to talk about. So come with me. Let's go back inside. So we're back inside of the den. We just finished an interview with Rashad Wright on a conversation we're having on manhood without a map. What that has really meant for men and the struggles that men go through trying to figure out what this thing is supposed to look like that we all call manhood as if it has a very clear and distinct definition. But you've got so many men who are trying to figure this thing out and they've never seen a model. They've never had a map. So what did you think about what it is that he had to say, Jay? I thought that it was interesting. I mean, it's always kind of surreal to, to have men come and actually open up about what it's like to become a man. Okay. Because it, seldom do we hear it. it when when you see a man who has come to, you know, the succession of of manhood, mm-hmm. you know, like I he he reached his or not his peak, but he he's he's at a high point, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's at a high point. He's accomplished a lot. Right. No he's accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. So to be able to look back and when you reckon when you look at somebody who's accomplished like that, you do not inherently assume that he didn't have all of the faculties in order to get him there. Right. Right. So to be able to talk about the fact that I, I didn't have a dad and that hurt me like you're hearing emotion, you know, and he where, actually used the word pain. Yeah. So it. It's interesting to see a man feel and to overtly feel that vulnerability that you do not see from a lot of men we got to see in that in that interview. So um, I think that I'm really interested in in diving further into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huck, what do you think? I think for the second week consecutively, we have been ambushed. But it's fine. (laughs) Um, Actually, Mrs. Huck, we had a conversation when we listened to the show last week about that same thing as far as being vulnerable. Um, and not- for, wait, let me pause you there. For our listening audience, if you missed the last show, you need to go back and, and listen to that. We were doing a show on men dating and divorce, and Huck really led us deep dive into what it is like to be in a very difficult relationship. And he used a term that you don't normally hear men use because of the stigma around men having to be strong all the time, you know, always having to be the ones who can handle the situation and nothing seems to be a problem and the Superman thing. And he said the word abuse, that he has survived an abusive relationship. And you all who listen to us on a regular basis, Huck is a man's man. So you can't even imagine a guy that looks like him and with his personality putting up with that inside of a relationship or even letting himself be in a situation like that. But yet he really peeled back the layers last week for us on what that what that's really like. So when he says sabotage, he's talking about the fact, or ambushed, I should say, he's talking about the fact that they didn't know what the conversation was going to be when we when we started the discussion in the studio on purpose, just so that everybody would be really honest about it. And it's not that we wouldn't be honest, but a transparent moment, had I known, and I think even Rashad would have known what the conversation would have been about, we would have been a little more guarded. Yeah, because, right. Because... Uh, to let people see into your personal life mm-hmm. and like those personal struggles and it's not a real good place because it's not a good place when you're there and it's even worse when you come out and you look back where you come from. Mm. A lot of people say, you know, I look back on it and I feel good or, you know, I can look back and smile. Nah, ain't no smiling. I can look back on it and say I learned some things. Just like, you know, Rashad was talking about um, how his sons would never know what it would be like to be fatherless or to not know what fatherhood or manhood meant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But to have men, especially black men, come around strong black women and expose themselves to God knows how many listeners that are listening. <laughs> and then from that conversation, those listeners say, hey, I heard X, Y, and Z. And you may be in Walmart or somewhere else and you, you see somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they say, hey, I heard you and I heard your story and it really helped me. I mean, it's cool. You shake hands and you have those conversations. But um, for a man to be vulnerable, especially now, you don't really you don't have that. And it's, no. it's difficult to be vulnerable because once you show that vulnerability, um, oftentimes people people take advantage of it, mm. whether it's professional, uh, whether it's like even in relationships with um, your significant other or your peers. They may not do it on purpose, but it's just in human nature when they know that they can get you at a certain place, mm-hmm. they'll do that. And to show, you know, this is what hurt me, you have to trust. And I think it speaks to how we trust, you know, you, you two in the den because um, to share with you our pain and right. to share with you our vulnerability, I mean, we trust you with it. Right. And um, listen, we don't, I don't know all y'all, but, and <laughs> know all y'all either, but we trust y'all too because, um, you know, we are able to share. And I'll say this and then we'll move on. Um, we don't have to move on. We're in no rush. No, we, no we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, no, this is not over. It, it's okay. I'm going to hit the stop button and keep moving. But um, when you have, I think it's healthy to have these com- kind of conversations. Absolutely. Um, because it was something, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at another show, but I'm not going to give you that idea. <laughs> but it was something that uh, my family went through over the last couple of years. And when. Uh, as a family, we opened up and started to share with other families that could have been going through something similar. Um, it kind of opened the floodgates for people to come and say, hey, I didn't know that y'all went through that. You know, I didn't know that you experienced that. And to see you go through it and not know that's what you were going through at that time in your life right. and see how you kept going and helped me. So I guess a long story with that is that when we share and we uh, show those um, wounds Mm-hmm. To people, it, it helps them because they may be going through it and like they may not know how to navigate it. Um, and another thing to navigate pain, to navigate being vulnerable in this day and age is a very difficult thing. Um, and knowing how to be able to articulate, and I think one of the reasons why I never really said anything about the whole abuse thing because I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know. You didn't um, have the language for it? Nah. Um, okay. Not until I talked to a friend of mine who is a, a counselor and they, they start to share with me like these are the symptoms. This is what it looks like. And then I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the chair. I'm like, okay, that sounds like it. But then still, you don't want to admit it. Because, that it could be you, right? Yeah, because social media, um, society, and our demographic says you don't say that. You don't say even... And I, I never went through this, and I pray for those who have went through being sexually abused, right, you know, right. uh, boys and even right. girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to say that. You don't want to say that's what I went through because you don't want to be labeled as the one that was taken advantage of. The victim. Right. Yeah, because being a victim isn't a good place. And that's, and it's that there's a, there's a connotation associated with the word victim, you right. know, that, that somehow it means weak. Mm-hmm. But But the truth is that if you were the victim in this situation, you were preyed upon. Right. It wasn't because you were weak. Someone else 
wanted to use their power to assert that over you in some nefarious way. Mm -hmm. So it is not your weakness. It was actually that person's character weakness, that person's integrity weakness, that person's whatever it was, but it is their weakness that made that, that, that was not you. And we have to set ourselves free of these stories that we tell ourselves that the things that we go through, it's not that there aren't things in our lives that we are responsible for, but when you are the victim of abuse, you are not responsible for Mm -hmm. that. That is not your fault. Specifically, if you're a child, there is absolutely no way that that is your fault. When we, when we go through abuse as grownups, people would like to argue that you should have known better and you should have done this and you should have done that. And it's all, it's very easy to talk about what What you you should have done done. when you're not inside of it. Exactly. That, that is a, that's a major issue. Um, especially from like millennials to the older generation, um, because it, it, you push this, this notion of inadequacy, like you were unable to discern, you were, you Mm -hmm. were too stupid to know you, Mm -hmm. you set yourself up for this thing, like whatever the situation may have been, but you reinforce that this is my fault as the victim. Right. And I never get to step out of that because the one thing that, right. right, Victim blaming. But the one thing that people never forget are your shortcomings. Mm. So I can forget all of the good things that you've done, all of your successes, all of your accolades, but that one bad thing that happened in your life, like I'm always going to like, you think about when you speak to somebody who has had, um, who you guys have a mutual friend and you're like, yeah, did you know about when so-and-so's husband died? Mm-hmm. Like it's the one bad thing that happened in their life. That's what you're talking about. Not the fact that she runs four businesses and, you know, she raises the kids on her own, but her husband died. Right. You know, like it, it people innately focus on the negative and they define you by those by, moments, by right. those moments. Right. And I also say professionally, when you start, when you open up on a personal side, professionally, people start looking at you differently. Yes, it's true. When you it's say, very true. Like, if I had a problem with substance abuse, Mm-hmm. And I opened up, which I mean, I don't do drugs, nothing like that. But let's say I had uh, opioid mm-hmm. addiction, addiction or right. crack addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. But I look the way I look now. I'm I'm suited and booted. You know, right. I shave my head, my face, all that kind of <laughs> right. stuff. But, you know, when I sit down and tell you, and like, hey, you know, for like 10 years prior to, not even now, but prior to, I struggled with opiates. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your whole perspective mm-hmm. changes about me. Now you're looking at me. Now you're looking at if I'm trying to take something from you. Right. Or if mm-hmm. I'm trying to, or, or am I doing it again? If or my eyes should, are Or red. should he be drinking that? Right. Right. You know, yeah. right. Yeah. right. And that's and that, that's what really uh, kept me from sharing mm-hmm. um, a With lot the of things I went through. Yeah, because like people can't, they can't handle your whole humanity. Mm. As much as they say like, yo, I can handle, yo, tell me anything, I got you. But you know, all right, cool. And then you share a little bit with them. And then it's that that look they give you. They don't say nothing. They be like, and it's like, yo, I said too much. Yeah, and you know it. Yeah, and then but once it's out there, you right, can't, you take, can't it take it back. Hey man, I'll just play. let me run the right, let like, me run the tape. April yeah. Fools, right? You rang that bell, gotcha. and you can't unring you can't that, that bell. bell. And I so understand what you're saying where that's concerned because you know because of obviously what I do for a living. Most of the time, people either meet me coming off of a stage or after having heard me mm-hmm. somewhere doing something. And early on, I found out it, the hard way that a lot of my 
quote unquote fans, as people would define them, mm-hmm. couldn't become friends. And I didn't see myself as different from mm-hmm. the people who were supporters of my work. I saw us as all the same. Right. But they saw me as the person who was on the stage. And it's not to say that there was anything that I said publicly that I don't live privately. But what is true about the your private life is that you're not on all the time and that you you have bad days and you get irritated and bothered by certain things or you're hurt by certain things or you're sensitive to certain kinds of things that human factor that you're talking about huck one of one of my fans in particular that i really tried to develop a friendship with could not handle that at all and went so far as to say to me i need you to be the alvian that you are when the cameras are on And I can't do that for you because we can't be friends if that's the case. And it actually is the reason why my circle is so small. I have lots of associations, lots of people that I have warm, loving relationships with superficially. Mm -hmm. But my circle is a very tight circle of people that I don't have to put on any airs for. I don't have to. I am just 100% me and nobody cares. I put my, my shoes on just like you do, my pants on just like you do. And I have days just like you do mm-hmm. but you're right it's some people they say that they they want to know you they want to love you they want to connect with you but they want to connect with the you that they met yeah just that you not all the other stuff not the you when you're in tears not the they just there's a certain level of you that most people are comfortable with yeah and, and i'll say um and this is kind of switching to what i do professionally I was having a conversation with one of my mentors, and he was like, dude, you can never talk to the people, your coworkers and your colleagues. They can't be the ones that you vent to. And that Absolutely. You come in it's a place true. of leadership. It's right. true. So, like, you're going out hanging out, Applebee's with the people, like, you frequent with. Like, once you get into that uh, managerial position and you have to talk, excuse me, start telling them what to do, mm-hmm. they're looking at you like, nah, bruh. We just had we had egg and orchard the other day. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Or we did we did this, X, Y, and Z. Now you telling me what to do? Nah, we good. Or if you start to share like, you know, your dreams or your vision, a lot of people that you think clapping for you really not even clapping for no, you. No, right and, about and that. And when you Oof. when you hit that roadblock and something like you start to share, a lot of times I'm speaking from a professional standpoint, they'll use that right there and be like, hey. And they won't even say it to you. They go back around your back right. and say it to, like, you know, your superior. So I think in our community, that's one of the reasons why we don't have these conversations. And outside, um, because Mrs. Huck was worried about, like, hey, you know, because she heard the show. She was, and she was like, I can't believe you said some of the things you said. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what are you going to do? You know, people start asking you questions and stuff like that. It opened up the door for some, some dialogue. But even with that, it's still... Some things that I can't share past that with everybody. Because, like, when you're up on stage or you up, you know, giving talks and things of that nature, yep. they don't see the professional. Right. They see the flawed individual. Right. Right. And it'll, it'll damage your message every time. So there are some personal struggles that I had. There's some personal struggles I still have to this day. But I can't tell everybody about that. Right. You never hear me in the lines. Being like, hey, this is a tell-all right here. <laughs> right. Um, I even struggle with writing a book. Because I want to be authentic, but I can't be authentic and say my whole self in that book. Yeah, because people going a lot of people feelings gonna be hurt. A lot of a lot of people their view of who they think I am 
is going to be challenged. We'll be, yeah, we'll be challenged. And it's so crazy that people require you to be who they need you to be rather than them loving who you, you for who you actually are. are. That's, oh, what, that's yes. what we that's do. So true. That, that's how That's how you treat me. You want me to be <laughs> a certain person. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. he didn't. He so, really, you know <laughs> what? He got stubble today, y'all. Let's, the two of you let's behave, not start. behave do you want to fight no okay, come on no. so i mean like it, the thing that i wondered from both of your perspectives you know if if healing really comes from true vulnerability then do we really ever get a chance to be completely healed if we always have to be thoughtful mindful protective of the real story i think that it requires a vault you have to know who your vault is. Mm. Um, one of the big, the one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that it is so important to filter what information goes to whom, right? Because some people cannot handle that information. And although, as you were saying, how you didn't think that your fans and yourself were any different. People, even your friends, the people in your world that may not necessarily be fans, they're just people that have been in your life are are very much the same. So where you think that you're just having conversations equals they're looking at you as as, you know, aspiring to have something that you have or some version or some aspect of your life that you already have. So sharing with them what it is that you're struggling with or what you're going through may be counterproductive for them. Mm. So they struggle with that. Or they have, you know, ill intent. You know, you don't know people's motives or their intentions. So it's like you have to know my vault has always been you. <laughs> yes, I just said that my vault is my mother. Um, just because it's like, she well, I mean, it. I mean, you birthed me. And that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, because let's be clear, not every mother and daughter have right. that kind of relationship. Right. But like I, I was having this conversation um, a couple of weeks ago where I, I literally cannot imagine anything that you can do shy of hurting my child. Like you could probably spit on me and I may not talk to you for like two weeks, but we're going to we're going to be good. We're okay, gonna, we're going to figure it back. out. We're going to figure it out. But because I but I know I can come to you for anything mm-hmm. and be completely vulnerable about that thing. And then you you walk me through it. Like, let's process those emotions. Now, do you get on my nerves? Absolutely. Yes, okay. I do. But I'm it doesn't change the it. fact, it doesn't change <laughs> the fact that I, I always know that that is the safe space to go. Um, and it's hard to identify because obviously I have very close friends and um, I have siblings. Mm-hmm. And like, even with having like a younger brother, I don't feel like I can go to my younger brother and tell him everything that I'm struggling with or that I'm going through because he's looking to learn from me. Hmm. You know, so like it's like he it's funny because you really believe it'll always be that way. No, I don't think that it'll always be that way because he's so intuitive. Mm -hmm. So like right now he's in a space where he's still learning and he's figuring out relationships and friendships and who he's going to be as a man and what young young manhood is going to mean. So I know that when he talks to me and he's asking me questions, he's asking me questions, trying to mold himself. Like I'm reflecting on what my older sister said a man looks like Mm -hmm. or what, how, how she would have preferred that situation be handled. If I give him a particular example or if he gives me a situation that he's been in I'm like I don't think that you should have handled it that way right but he pays a lot of attention to that and he's absorbing right now so in order to not dictate who he becomes as a man and allow him to do that thing I know that I can't come to him with what it is that I'm dealing with because I don't want you to ever feel like what my issue is becomes your burden because some people are empaths so not not only am I telling you what's going on and you're receiving that information but you're feeling that information as if it is your own 
So like there are some people can't handle that. And knowing that some people can't handle that, it is so has been so pertinent to find people that I know are strong around me that like they they can. Mm -hmm. So some of them, I may not be able to tell them everything, but but I can tell them parts, you know, like you can, I can compartmentalize those things until I can come and dump it on you. (laughs) And that's, but that's how it works for me. But I also don't trust a lot of people. So I don't, I don't have the need for there to be a ton of people for me to go to. I need like, maybe one and a half you know it's funny because and you heard me you heard well we she said that she has the information like i don't have to dump everything so like she can pour half of her bucket in there like i'm married so i got but what's really cool is that in in a in another interview also done with Brene brown if you guys cannot tell i happen to be a real um fan and supporter of her work and hopefully one day we'll have her on inside of the den right just one day real soon i hope Brene, if you're listening we'd love to have you in here but she did her some of the work that she did uh in the daring greatly really spoke to when she was doing her studies on shame was having people that you can pour your true self into Into, and i'm paraphrasing that but basically she's talking about the fact that everybody has not earned your story and there are some people that you can tell your whole story to Mm -hmm. and there's some people that maybe it's just parts of the story Mm -hmm. but you have to know who who are your 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 10 gallon people who are your bucket people who are the people that you can pour you into and i think that that's one of the things that we struggle with mm-hmm. you know whether we're talking about it in manhood or in womanhood as we're we're coming into our own being able to healthily identify the people who have earned our story right you know who is it safe to have that conversation with and what's interesting is that women we are more likely to find those people inside of our lives Mm -hmm. but Huck I want to ask you do men have those relationships like really those those 10 gallon relationships those places where you can pour all of your story into absolutely um it's not a lot Mm -hmm. like while I'm a very sociable person but I'm not going to give everybody I've learned that in my 30s everything Mm -hmm. I have two homeboys that I tell everything to one of them i tell everything to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a difference in everything everything <laughs> uh, everything i give you a b and c you know how it happened right but the every like one of my homeboys i was i hit a real rough time hey and i trust y'all and listen to somebody tell y'all this too <laughs> i had a real rough time in the impasse in my life and i called my homeboy and i started to cry and it caught him off guard because we've been we've been friends for over twenty years, mm. and that was the first time he ever seen me cry mm. or heard me cry. And he he paused. Um, he said, "Yo, Jay, you know, if I need to get to where you need where you are, I'm coming." I said, "No, I just I need somebody to talk to." So being able to share those things with him, um, so yeah, we do. Um, however, I had to learn how and how much and who to share these things with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as you all were talking, I, I had two things I was thinking about. Like, we talked about a vault. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mrs. Huck is my vault. Like, and a lot of men and a lot of females disagree with that with me. Um, but she knows everything. When mm-hmm. I say everything, I mean everything. the good, the, the bad, bad, the everything. ugly. Everything. And I struggled with that with her because I'm like, I don't need to tell you this. And she <laughs> said, well, I would much rather know this uh-huh. than get blindsided with it later. Yes. Amen. And she said, let me navigate it. 
And when I started to share some things with her, and not, and she never changed, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, she can be my vault. I have some people in my life that are my safe deposit box. And that means mm. a safe deposit box to me, that you go to the bank, you get the key from the banker. So that means somebody else has access to right, it. Right. So I have to be comfortable with, even I'm sharing this with you, mm-hmm. that I know you probably going to tell somebody else. Or you could. Right. Yeah, you right. could. So I'm cool with that. Right. So Mrs. Huck is my, my vault. Um, a couple of my safe deposit box, and I have a couple of mailboxes, which means you know, <laughs> I know you know somebody come by, they may they open, open it, it anytime. Yeah. Right. anytime. So <laughs> those three categories, I understand that. But good analogy. The, the, um, yeah, I try. You know, Look sometimes, at you. sometimes I get educated. It. Um, right. But let me say, and this is this is kind of comical. When Rashad was talking about Voltron, I thought that was like a a deep term until he started talking about the cartoon. I'm like, I'm thinking myself, all I know is the cartoon, but. I, I don't know. <laughs> He but, made it sound really educated. Yeah, he did. I'm going to go to work tomorrow and say, hey, man, I had a Voltron of the night. And I guess all my co are like, hey, what is that? I'm not going to tell them. But we talk about manhood with, without a roadmap. Mm-hmm. And we say how, how difficult that may be. Um, but think about how difficult it would be to be a man with a roadmap. And let me, when I say that, I mean this. Um, I, Matt, myself. Fathers mm-hmm. and not place of arrogance, but confidence. We're great fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt has a son. Mm-hmm. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why I don't, if God blesses me with a son, I don't want to give him my my name because I don't want him to think that he has to be just like me. He could be so, himself. Right. So I say that to say, like, what what do you do as a man or as a woman? But you know, you're not gonna call her Alvin Junior. But <laughs> wow, when you have, no, when you have somebody that's a great role model. That could be just as much as a hindrance as if you, when you don't have somebody there to be in there. Because now I'm ascribing to trying to be just like my dad. Now that is true. You know, like my, my father in 54 seconds, <laughs> I struggle with that because mm-hmm. he's a great man. We'll probably talk about that another time. We definitely can have that conversation. Wow. Because let me tell you how big the it. shoes are. <laughs> Every day. She lives inside of it every day and to be my daughter and to work with me and to mm. live with me and to play with me. We do a lot together. I don't so, actually live with her. I just want to clarify. Having lived. <laughs> listeners okay, past tense, She has her own house now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> but all of those things. We do know, have sleepovers, the, though. That is true. They're so you fun. live here. We really, no, we relax, really do adore each relax. other. Relax. Oh, stop it. So relax. anyway, there are so many things, so much more to be said during the next conversation we have. Thank you, everyone, for participating in this one. Join us again as we continue the series with men and manhood without a map as we uncover it all inside of the lion's den. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You, the listeners, are always our inspiration. If you'd like to join the conversation or submit a show idea, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with Alvian at alvianlions.com or on Instagram at alvian.lions. Join us again next week. Same time, same station, same great conversation. We'll see you soon. 